Hi, this is Tom Field with Information Security Media Group. We're here today to talk with Eric Fitterman, founder of MethodView, and the topic is information security and investigations into cybercrimes. Eric, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Eric, tell me a little bit about your background as it relates to information security and cybercrime. Sure. Well, I'm a former FBI special agent, and I've worked computer crimes as a member of several different high-tech crimes task forces, uh, including cases I've worked jointly with the United States Secret Service, who uh, appears to be the primary investigative agency in the TJX case. I'm also the founder of MethodView, which is a company that provides computer forensics and litigation advisory services for intellectual property and trade secrets misappropriation cases. And I've spent the last five years supporting investigations and security programs in the U.S. intelligence community and currently provide security and computer forensic services for commercial and federal clients. Eric, you mentioned TJX, and that's sort of the case that brought us together and got us started this discussion here. When you read about the arrests behind TJX and the other major breaches that we've seen in recent years, what do you see that the rest of us might not see? Well, the first thing I think that probably surprised most people was the amount of time that's lapsed between when the breach was first uh, disclosed and the indictments that were announced last week. Um, but having worked in uh, the federal environment for some time, uh, you understand that when a case like this, which appears to be uh, very significant and involves a strong international nexus, you're going to have a lot of jurisdictional and legal uh, barriers to the investigation involving evidence that was overseas, in this case um, in Eastern Europe. You've got indicted co-conspirators in China and other locations around the world. So it just involves a tremendous amount of coordination not only across the uh, U.S. Attorney's offices here in the United States, but through the diplomatic liaison channels with uh, legal attaches uh, overseas and uh, other federal agencies and so on. The bottom line is that it's just a really massive investigation, and uh, because of that, it'll, it'll take some time. The quality of the work will be very high, and uh, in those cases, they typically lead to... Uh, guilty pleas outright because the subjects and the conspirators are typically presented with such an overwhelming amount of evidence that they typically plead out um, when, when faced with those charges. But what's the real message from this incident, these arrests to the banks and the merchants and the other businesses? Well, while it's great to see indictments and arrests, it's much better um, for institutions to prevent getting in this position in the first place. Um, which means having a strong emphasis on uh, a good security program that addresses your compliance and uh, regulatory environment, understanding your risks, and just being generally proactive about some of the threats your organization's facing. Um, I think what's also interesting about cases like these is that they demonstrate that really any industry and any organization can be held accountable for the theft of confidential information and sensitive information even when that company itself is a victim of crime. And that, that's a very different concept because typically there have been certain um, implicit or perceived con uh, protection, protections excuse me, for companies that have been victimized uh, in, during a crime. But uh, this clearly shows that uh, any firm with sensitive information can face the prospect of litigation uh, if its assets have been threatened or exposed. Eric, just a follow-up question. 
we know banking institutions have got regulatory agencies coming around to examine them to make sure that they're compliant and that they're, they're taking the precautions that they need to. Where's the pressure going to come from for non-regulated businesses to make sure that they've got the information security practices to keep their houses in order? Well, I think almost in any case, uh, especially if you're dealing with sensitive financial information or personally identifiable information, there will be some type of either applicable law or regulation, um, whether it's PCI, DSS, or in the federal government we've got you know FISMA and other regulations, and obviously the financial institution has their set of um, compliance and statutes as well. But I think uh, another big motivator is, is, as I mentioned before, um, the realization that organizations are being held accountable for failures to address uh, information security. So that's a that's a big driver in addition to the compliance driver that's been um, obviously more important in the last few years. Um, but you've got organizations like PCI, the PCI Council, that are uh, stepping up and uh, making organizations aware of what their requirements are if they're going to handle, in this case, credit card information or, or sensitive financial data. Now, one of the things that sort of surprised me in the last week since we started publicizing this latest story is the, the real anger from banking institutions because, you know, TJX didn't happen because of a bank or a credit union, and yet they're on the line of fire when it comes time to have to replace these cards that have been compromised. How right. can the banking institutions sort of channel this anger positively and, and affect some, some good change? That's a great question, and I mentioned before the PCI Council, and uh, one of the things I would recommend is for lending institutions and, and banks to get involved with industry organizations like the PCI Council um, to really sit down and rethink whether we need to uh, take a closer look at how we're building in security into these systems from the get-go, so baking in security into the architecture of these systems that authorize and process credit card data. And actually, I spoke with Dave Hogan, who's a senior VP and CIO of the National Retail Federation earlier this year, about the TJX breach and what his organization uh, was doing to, to address the threat. And uh, he pointed me to a letter that he had sent to the PCI Council that suggested that maybe there were provisions of PCI DSS that actually were more an enabler of electronic and financial crime in particular uh, provisions of the of the regulation that require merchants to store credit card data for some period of time. And while I think that argument does have some merit, if you look at the indictments in this case, the uh, conspirators were actually capturing data as they were being uh, processed. So they weren't attacking and, and stealing data at rest or stored or archived or encrypted data. They were capturing the information as it was going over the wire. And I think it's important to understand that distinction. It's subtle, but, but that is an important discriminator. And, uh, again, my personal belief is that we really just need to take a close look at the fundamental way that we're doing business, particularly uh, with retailers and merchants, to learn how we can make these systems more secure. And that's the same thing that people have found with the Hannaford case, too. Is that right? Yes, I believe so. Now, the, the message that we keep hearing from experts in the last week is that expect more breaches, that this is not going to be an isolated thing, this, you know, it's going to be more sophisticated, different kinds of threats. So I'm curious, what are the types of cases that you're looking at now, and what sorts of crimes should banking institutions be paying the most attention to? 
Well, in addition to my security engineering work, I support cases involving uh, confidential data theft breach and trade secrets misappropriation cases. And just to explain a little bit about what that means, that's uh, any time an organization has confidential or proprietary information that they believe uh, maybe an employee or a competitor or an associate has misused or exposed um, uh, and they want to determine what exactly the damage was or, or how that was facilitated, I support those kinds of cases. And uh, I'm seeing more of that kind of activity because you're seeing a lot of technology companies and private capital firms that are making major investments in intellectual property. And information has become a very valuable asset, and uh, companies have a reason to protect that, that investment. So whether you're talking customer data or financial statements, uh, proprietary information or like in TJX credit card data. Uh, people are trying to get access to that information. Um, as far as the question you asked about what kinds of crimes banking institutions should be paying attention to, um, one thing jumps out at me in particular the case at the French bank um, earlier in the year where the trader had single-handedly facilitated a $7.2 billion fraud um, by manipulating the inner workings of the organization. I think that's that's a that's an important case because, as you said before, these types of crimes aren't going to go away, and so it's important to understand how these crimes are committed and what we can do to, to detect or deter uh, people from committing these really egregious acts of crime. Uh, and, and it's important to understand too that when we talk insider threat or inside security, insider security. Um, it's not really a new concept. Actually, the first documented bank robbery in the United States was considered to be an inside job. So I think we're going to see more of these kinds of events um, as the credit markets and financial institutions come under increased pressure uh, as they are today. And the other thing I think is important for banking institutions to be aware of is how vulnerability disclosure trends are going to affect their, their uh, external systems and their customers. Uh, just like the uh, domain name system vulnerability that was disclosed last month, uh, whether you agree with it or not, security firms and researchers are going to continue to feed vulnerability information into the public domain. And at that point, it's essentially a race between the criminals who are listening and crafting attacks to, to exploit that vulnerability and the uh, IT systems and managers who need to patch their systems so they're not vulnerable. So we need to stay one step ahead. And we had a saying in the FBI, but the good guys have to be right all the time, and the bad guys just need to be lucky once. And uh, I think the same is true in this case. It doesn't seem very fair. <laughs> no, it's not, but it is the hand we've been dealt. So we uh, we just have to be be proactive and uh, and aggressive about to make sure that we're we're uh, being uh, being secure. So, Eric, some final words of wisdom for our banking institution executives: How do they avoid either being the next TJX or cleaning up? after the next TJX? You know, I'd say let's learn from our mistakes so that we aren't going to repeat them. Uh, criminals aren't complicated or hard to understand, uh, but if we can get better at seeing things the way they do, we can identify our weaknesses and make improvements before someone moves in to exploit them. Excellent insight. Eric, I appreciate your time and I appreciate your insights this morning. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. We've been talking with Eric Fitterman of Method View, and the topic has been banking and, and cyber crimes and, and investigations. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.